Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgs from Quito, and today I'm speaking with the co-authors of a valuable new book for anyone looking to better understand REITs and real estate investment. The book is called Educated REIT Investing, and it's authored by Stephanie Cruz and Kelly, Vice President of Investor Relations at Corporate Office Properties Trust, and Glenn Mueller, a professor at the University of Denver's Franklin L. Burns School of Real Estate and Construction Management and a real estate investment strategist at Black Creek Group. So welcome to you both. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. First of all, can you start by briefly describing how each of you became involved with REITs? And Stephanie, if you'd like to start with that question. Sure. And gosh, I hadn't thought about that in ages. Let's see, it was 1994. I had an accounting internship. I was finishing up in Europe and I was interviewing to return to Wall Street with investment banking firms. And what was then called Prudential Securities had two jobs available. One was in their M&A department and one was in their real estate group, which back then was called Structured Products. Well, my grandfather was a small local developer in Delaware. So I thought I'd give it a, you know, real estate a try. And the rest, as they say, is history. And Glenn, what about you? Sure. I was uh, a professor. I went to work at uh, Prudential Real Estate Investors and the securitization was really starting to take off in 1990. And I worked on putting together a pool of mortgages to potentially make and do a REIT. And then I moved on to a company called Alex Brown, Kleinworth Benson, where we had a uh, REIT-focused group and I started doing research for them in 1992, became the... uh, uh, chairman of the AREIT uh, Research Committee, and we wrote a whole bunch of papers about REITs during the time that they were really starting to grow. Now, Stephanie, why did you see the need to update your previous book? And what are some of the areas that educated REIT investing covers that were not included in the Intelligent REIT Investor? And I also wanted to ask you, how did Glenn become the co-author of Educated REIT Investing? Uh, Let's see. After my 2016 book was published, two fundamental things changed in the REIT industry that really drove the update. First, at the end of 2017, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act changed the way that REIT dividends are taxed at the investor level. And second, in 2018, they tweaked their definition of FFO. So by 2019, I was in discussion with the publisher to update the book. Meantime, I had been teaching the summer semester of Glenn's real estate capital markets class at Denver and was very familiar with his groundbreaking work on real estate fundamentals. And I was thrilled when he agreed not only to contribute original chapters to the new book, but also to be its co-author. Since most of the 2016 book sales were to universities and educational organizations, we decided to create the first textbook on REIT, which is what Educated REIT Investing is. Uh, The book itself is concise enough to also be a general interest book, but Glenn's expansive teaching materials are available for professors who use the book. So Educated REIT Investing is an expansion and great improvement, though I say it myself, on my 2016 book, which itself was an expansion of my first book, a little book called REIT Roadmap. I worked with Glenn as well as our two contributors, Calvin Schnorr and Marie Frankel, to update and expand my existing chapters, which are so much stronger due to their collective input. The new chapters that Glenn, Marie, and Calvin contributed on REIT fundamentals, real estate debt and fixed income securities, and mortgage REITs make Educated REIT Investing the only comprehensive book on how to analyze and invest in REITs. And what would you say are some of the least well-understood aspects of REITs that you feel need the most attention? And that's me. Well, FFO, which is uh, unique to REITs, which is the way we look at earnings, 
which is right. Uh, direct investors look at real estate is uh, is unique to REITs. While they're publicly traded companies, uh, gap accounting requires that depreciation be taken out. Most companies don't have much in hard assets and hence don't need to worry about uh, a little bit of depreciation on their office furniture and that kind of stuff. And REITs own big buildings that have lots of depreciation. So their gap earnings can be negative when you add that non-cash item of depreciation and amortization of fixed costs back, then it's really what their cash flow is. So that's really the, the big key factor that is different. Right. And the REIT industry has evolved to a position today where it embraces a really wide variety of property types from traditional core groups to such diverse areas as ground leases and farmland. Do you think that this poses a challenge for investors? Well, any piece of property that can be rented can uh, can become a REIT. And as we're looking for more investments, it's a REIT that uh, the REIT format allows for that. So as long as as long as there's rent being paid, whether that's a cell tower or a farmland or timberland, etc., it all makes sense. So it allows the little person like you and me to get investments into high quality assets uh, that are spread across the country. It's a unique way to be able to diversify investing in real estate. And have you seen changes in the REIT investor base over the last few years? And what would you expect going forward? I guess the biggest change, and it's it's taken place gradually, is ever since the fall of 2016, when the S&P added the real estate GICS code as the 11th investment sector, we've seen a, a gradual yet steady increase in the number of generalists who are investing in REITs. So that's definitely a change, uh, it, at least from my company's perspective, looking at our shareholder base. It's accelerated, which is great to see because those tend to be very long-term core investors who are buying REITs for the fundamental reasons we all want to buy REITs you know, dividend income, portfolio diversification, et cetera. But I do expect that trend to continue. If I were to look into a crystal ball, I would think that I wouldn't be surprised if we start to see more retail investors coming back to the REIT segment. 20 years ago, there were a much larger component of the shareholder base was retail investors. Today, it's largely institutional investors. I don't think that's ever going to go back to the old ratios, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see retail investors composing you know, five, six percent of the average REIT, not immediately, but uh, building up to that over the coming years, again, because of that attractive dividend income. And how much of a role does the outlook for interest rates still play as investors consider REITs? That is something that um, everybody's nervous about. I actually wrote a paper on it 20 years ago. The good news is if interest rates are going up, that means the economy is doing better. And if the economy is doing better, that also means that real estate is doing well because there's more demand and they're raising rents. So uh, real estate has been a good hedge against both inflation and interest rates over the past 50 plus years. And they have, in most cases, locked in their permanent mortgages today at lower rates. So even if rates go up, they've got 10 years to be able to work on it and adjust that. What are some of the ways in which the REIT industry successfully handled the COVID-19 pandemic that investors should really focus on? Oh, sure. Um, Being at a REIT, as the pandemic came upon us, uh, I'd like to answer this one. The most important tactic I think that REITs deployed to handle the pandemic is actually something they did before the pandemic ever happened. Namely, they were operating their businesses with conservative leverage. As a result, most REITs had the financial flexibility they needed to withstand the sudden demand shocks that the pandemic shutdowns created for property types such as hotels, 
malls and office space. These shutdowns were were very long-lasting from about mid-March through the third quarter, or in some states, even longer. And then conversely, for property types like industrial, infrastructure, and data center REITs, who saw demand for their properties soar, they had the balance sheet capacity to accelerate their external growth and capitalize on opportunities the pandemic presented to them. So I think most companies, even if they were not public in 07 and 08 during the global financial crisis, I really believe that the industry learned the importance of maintaining conservative debt levels. And as a result, most companies were able to weather the challenges that this black swan event presented. In terms of actual tactics, I would cite that the primary tactic REITs employed first and foremost was they made sure that they had a war chest of liquidity. Whether this meant temporarily trimming or suspending their common dividends, drawing huge amounts of cash down from their lines of credit to, again, have that war chest of cash on their balance sheets just in case, or aggressively selling portfolios of assets to raise cash. REITs who property types were negatively affected by the shutdown, in my opinion, were very smart to act swiftly to shore up their liquidity to make investors realize that there were no going concern issues. Lastly, I would note that REITs also, as importantly, quickly adopted new disclosures, such as monthly rent collection and monthly rent relief granted to tenants who either needed some rent deferred or abated to bridge their business's financial crunch. This added transparency, combined with a focus on maintaining liquidity, went a long way in ensuring investors that the REITs individually and as an industry remained investable. And finally, there's probably half a dozen books on REITs at the moment. What makes educated REIT investing unique among them? You know, I've been teaching REITs now for almost 20 years and trying to find a textbook that covered all the bases correctly uh, was always hard. I was always using parts of different books. So I was very excited when Stephanie offered to uh, have me uh, work with her on the book because then I knew that I could get all the pieces uh, necessary to make it happen. So Stephanie uh, wrote in a, in a very clear and concise manner, which is also the way that I write. So um, I think it's a very easy to read book. And you know the fact that this is the first one that's also got a focus for academics so it can be used in a classroom. We have presentations for each chapter uh, that the professor can use and uh, exams and uh, a case study set up. So it is unique amongst the books because it's got a, a focus for academics that no other book that I've found has. In addition to that, I'll just add for any folks who haven't had the opportunity to to get their own copies yet, as Glenn mentioned, it, it's the first and only comprehensive book on evaluating investing REITs. And just the, the collective knowledge and experiences that everyone who contributed to the book, that really resonates throughout it because we've all brought our own professional experiences to the book. So there are a lot of details and nuances throughout the book that you can only know by having worked on Wall Street or on the buy side for as many decades as we have. So even something as as mundane as the discussion on operating partnership units, for example, I think will really surprise readers, even those who have been in the, the business for a while. And I would just conclude with something that is proprietary to the book, which really makes it stand out, is the fact that it really is a how-to book. A lot of the existing books beforehand, they really assumed that the readers knew what FFO was, that they knew how to calculate it. Our book, just like my prior two books, The the Secret Sauce, in addition to all the collective knowledge in there, is that we break things down. So, for example, instead of just discussing net asset value in principle, the book translates NAV into an equation and then uses a simple example example to illustrate it so that people can really understand the math. And we do this for every major metric used to analyze and value REITs. 
In other words, if it's something that helps a money manager decide whether or not to buy one REIT versus another, it's in our book. So we hope everyone enjoys it. A lot of hard work and joy went into the book. And uh, we're very blessed and thankful to have it in print. Well, thank you both for taking the time. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Really appreciate it. And to our listeners, for more information on REITs and listed real estate, be sure to visit NAREIT's website, REIT.com. 